Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Full Change with Tom Laidlaw. Hey, good morning, Tom. Good morning, all. <laughs> Top of the barn to you. There's this great game out. I, I went to the uh, the pro shop. I had to buy my son so quickly. There's this legend at Burgerfield, uh, Pete Romano. He's been running pro shops at, at uh, stores for years. Right. So him and, and uh, it's actually a funny story. They made the cheese after him, right? They did. Uh, they did. It's it's, it's no, Swiss. Swiss. Uh, so that, so I, I'm buying shoulder pads for my son. And the one kid is uh, helping me, guy, sorry, kid. And we get to talking and he's like, you coached me. And I was like, Wow. So it turns out this Phil Lastra I'd coached growing up. He, he was working there. The Pete is this legend. And they were like, hey, there's this great game we play. It's called Puck Dooku. I don't know if you've seen this. It's kind of brand new. You should pull it up on your, your screen. So basically, you know Sudoku? You ever play that game? No. Oh, oh yeah, the numbers. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So now I have it, but it's with hockey. And it's it'll be a picture. It'll say, okay, it'll be three teams on the top or, or three categories, two teams in a category. So it'll say like Rangers, Devils, a thousand games in NHL. Then on the other column, it'll say, uh, Winnipeg Jets, Los Angeles Kings, right. gold medal. Yep. So you you basically have to match someone who played for the Rangers Devils and someone who played for the Rangers oh, Kings and someone who played for the Rangers yeah. about a thousand games. It's a great game oh. and it's addictive and there's like a, a new version of it every day. Oh, cool. So I, I pl- I've been playing since I saw these guys uh, a couple weeks ago and I, I'm waiting for the Rangers and Kings question so I get top label, oh. but I, it hasn't come up yet. But I think you, didn't they call that the Laidlock Cup when the Kings and the Rangers played the finals there a few years? I don't think they did. They might have called it the Gretzky Cup because oh, he right. was a little more prominent than you and played for both, or even the Bernie Nichols Cup, but the Mark Hardy Cup. Mark Messi. No, not Messi. Yari Curry. Shane Churla. Who else played for the Rangers and Kings? That's a pretty good question. Jonathan Quick, soon to be. Yes. Uh, Marion Gabrick. Gabrick. Mike Allison. Thomas Sandstrom. Tony Granado. Yeah. Wow. Uh, there's a lot of guys that went both ways yeah. there. Who, who else like you went both ways? Uh, uh, I, well, it's, no, like by, like by, like by coastal. Oh, What's right. wrong with you? No, I'm just saying, there's a lot of guys that played this for the great family show. Rangers of the nice. case. Who else? Uh, I'm trying to think who else played that. Uh, gotta be some other guys that we're not thinking of right now. Right? Rangers. Listeners are probably screaming in their car right now. Yeah. Uh, who else? Who are we forgetting? We said Granado. Uh, Rick Chartrop. Rick Chartrand, number 11, is a big one. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good one. What's, uh, I guess it's not as clear. Okay. He's a good team guy, too, but very bad, very bad smoke kill. Oh, Barry Beck. That's right. Oh, that's right. He's he better than yeah. yeah. Goalie. Trying to think who else. Glenn Healy. Healy. That's a that. good one. Thank you. Very good. Uh, oh, there's got to be a lot more. Yeah, that I, guys I played with. I think we named off about a dozen right there. But so, anyway, yeah. Mark, who else? Mark Hardy. He says hard. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cowhead. He's a fun guy. We just give each other Cowhead? Yeah. We just give each other a hard time about our heads. He's actually a very funny guy. He's really cleaned up his life too. We went through some tough times with alcohol and everything. Really yeah, his life, so good to see. Yeah, that's uh, this, but there's a lot of guys that play for both of us. So anyway, that's Jay Wells. Jay Wells. Oh, Jay Wells, Stanley Cup winner. So that's the gist of the game: is you you match up and it, you have to fill out the the nine squares. Man, it's pretty cool. And I, yeah, they, they also rate you on uniqueness. You pull one out of nowhere, like Rick Chartrand. Nobody would guess. That's true. Everybody would guess Gretzky. And uh, yeah, and you get your ratings, and there's a new game every day. So. Thanks to uh, Pete Romano and the guys at the uh, Ice House. Cheese man. Pete Romano. Yeah, Swiss. He rented Swiss cheese. So, um, those and those guys are big listeners to the podcast, too. So, shout out to those guys. Oh, good. Hey, Pete. Pete, Phil, and Greg Shaw, who uh, connected us all, who was a knucklehead that I played with for a long time. Uh, yeah, so a lot of guys played both teams. A lot of guys played for, not many guys played for the Rangers and the Islanders. Very, uh, there's a good number, but. Yeah, Mike McEwen comes to mind. 
Uh, Gilbert was very good, but that was a trivia question. Yeah, that, you got that one. Did I nailed that one? Uh, who else? Chris Simon. Chris Simon. Both. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Devin Weeks. Kevin Weeks. Uh, Kev Bobger. Oh, he played for the Rangers. No. Kevin Weeks played for all three Metro teams. He's one of the few who played for wow. all three. Great one. That's a good one. He might. Is he the only one? Anyone listening? If they want to school us on that, that's cool. Brian Brian Mullen. Brian Mullen. No, no. He well, he played for Rangers and for the Brian Perard played for the Rangers Islanders. Right. But Glenn Ely, of course, famously. Ray Ferraro. I don't think there's any that played for all three. That's right. I'm trying to think of, uh, yeah, it, maybe there's some guy that hardly played great. Maybe. Banged around a little bit. Your buddy Chico Resch played for just the Islanders Devils. Chico Mash. Chico Best. Why do you say that? Because he was like Swiss cheese. So I scored a goal one time in the playoffs on him. And he got interviewed after, and he said, the worst thing about it is that that guy scored. He said that on TV. I think it was TV. Or, yeah. If anybody can find that clip, please send it in. We'll, we'll run that all over the place. When I did that, when I went on Survivor, uh, I don't know if you know I was on Survivor, we, we did like a demo tape kind of thing and, and people that put it together found a clip of me scoring that goal against Chico. Not Chico Rush. Yeah. Uh, Chico was, was a, that was a wrist shot outside the blue line. Ooh. So you fired it. Oh, yeah. Has it, it hit the back of the net yet? It did. Yeah. There were about 12 people screaming. Well, you, you scored 24 goals in the NHL. 25 to be. 20, sorry, 25 regular season goals, right? After you play right. goals. Actually, I think my points per game in the playoffs went up, but I can't remember though. Must, maybe it's like six or Wow. Takes yeah. six playoff goals? Make damn goals. Oh, wow. Yeah. You're like a, you're a money player. Look at that. You step I, it up. I can love the playoffs. Yeah. Like, especially that, that's one thing. It's if you're talking to Warren Reiko, we just did a show with him. Uh, talking about like going to those playoff runs, how much fun that is, the memories and all that stuff. It's just, it, everything's just hype, right? Yeah. You know, and you're not, you're not practicing as much. The weather's nicer. It's just that whole, like that atmosphere of yeah. the playoffs. Every, every ship means so much. You know, you're all fired up and you know that. Like it, most guys play hard all the time anyways, but there's John Muckler, the little coach, who said, listen, if you can get all the guys in your team to play uh, 75% of the time at the top of the game, that's big in the National Hockey. Okay. But in the playoffs, it seems like everybody's, every game is big, you know, and it's really like, if you don't have a good game, it's a really disappointment, you know, like sure. as an individual or as a team. It's, it's really, I can't remember too many times where you leave the game after a playoff game, ah, oh, God, we could have played better. Like you really usually... Yeah, yeah, as well as you well, can. in your runs, I mean, you, you, yeah, you had some long runs. Yeah. You didn't really have many series where you guys got smoked. Uh, you made the playoffs every year, yeah. Career, yeah. right? Yep, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I was very lucky. Um, yeah, there's only 21 teams back then. That's really, um, but still, yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, but even like in the week, just before the, we didn't have the long runs that year in '84, where we lost the first round. Yes, oh, heartbreaker. Man, I look back at that. We could have won the cup that year. Yeah. You know? And it's just like a great team. Her Brooks got the team that he wanted, all the pieces of the Yeah, we talk about this one all the time, man. This one stakes. This one this one hurts. And even for the fans, for obviously for the players. Oh, Especially we were up two games to one going playing at the garden. That shit was I think you you won game three, what, like seven, two? Yeah. Spoke, yeah. We spoke. Did Billy Smith get pulled? Yes, he did, yeah. I think that was the game. Was that the series? Maybe was, I don't think it was that year that Bob Mason spoke me put me in the hospital for and no one's heard that story before. No listeners have heard that. So, so 11 years in the NHL, 11 years in the playoffs. Yes. Survivor didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> so you took that winning mentality and attitude and couldn't use it at the island. Yeah. You know, I, I, but look at the positive way, right? Cause I, I'm helping other people now is what I do. Right. So I help those oh, other people. Sacrifice yourself. Yeah. So you said, I'm going to stay here for right. three weeks and just leave. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to not be that scumbag. Who, who, who needs a million dollars? I'm just going to go home. That would have been nice. We would have, we would have had air conditioning in the studio here. We'd have it. We just wouldn't use it. Well, we have air conditioning here. We just don't use it. Fair enough. Yeah. It's bomb. No, it's like, you know, we're doing like the David Goggins thing. Put a jacket on. I don't think so. You could put at least a light colored shirt on. Tom has a habit of wearing black shirts on a black backdrop. Yeah, that is the shirt. Yeah. It's, but you get, I've learned to kiss them. You need to, yes, kiss the bikes. Tim Benz from San Jose, California. He was like, Please tell Top Laidlaw to move closer. I said, all right, Tim. Oh, did he really? He did, actually. I, I noticed, I, I don't want, listen to too many of the shows. I, obviously, I listened to the one that I was on. <laughs> Stop time out. So we put out 51 episodes uh, as of right now, and Tim has listened full from start to finish to one of them, right? Well, I figure I'm doing them all anyway, so I don't have to go back. and. But even still, one of and the episode that you listened to was episode 50, the celebration episode featuring Tom Laidlaw. Well, it actually. It's, yeah, I mean, I want to make sure that they yeah, have really great. Real nice. You, just, you listen to yourself and, and, and no other ones. This yeah, is a great one. The only thing that's disappointing to me when we do this podcast is we, it's not all visual, too. I don't get to see myself. Well, we are looking at yourself on the screen. Right. Once in a while, I look over here. I think to make sure I'm still here. <laughs> but otherwise, it's just, you, you don't even look at the guests. You look at yourself, which is kind of awesome. Oh, that's funny. 
But we uh, we have some great fans of the show who love the podcast, who listen to more than just a Laidlaw episode. Uh, shout out some names. We have like Mike uh, Slifka, who you met from Detroit. He's a goal. You met him at the at Chelsea Piers. Oh. Real nice guy. Oh, okay. Vinny Morenzi likes the show. Adam Feld. And of course, I have a good buddy, uh, Jason Director, JD, who is a nut, but he loves the show. He told me he is up to date. He's heard all 52 episodes. He loves, he said he looks forward to it and like makes his Tuesday, Thursday. Does he say that I'm better than you on the show? He says the show should be full change with Tom Layla and Tom Smith. And I said, no, I'm not, I'm humble. I'm unlike, you know, unlike Tom, I'm very humble. I'm in the background. I want to, I don't want any attention. I'm not looking at myself right now in the monitor smiling. Yeah, there he goes. So listen, Tom preaches self-love and he definitely walks the walk. So it, no, it's I do another live show on Thursdays, uh, usually on Thursdays. Today's Thursday. Oh, today's Thursday. Wow. That's right. Uh, so I'll do it later on. And so I'm on by myself. So yeah, I'm sitting there looking at myself. Yeah. And both. It's terrible. And there's no guest, so it's just you. Look, and, and you and <laughs> he's got a smile like a six-year-old looking at myself. I, I do when I'm doing it by myself. It's kind of funny because the, the guests now, because it's just me, I'm not going back and forth with the guests. Right. Uh, so they're, the people are writing in uh, questions to me. And we've got a group now that's pretty funny. Like, we start carving each other. Look, we this is Tracy Bree. She's always, like, she's got this thing. She kind of zings me. She'll write the word like it's no. It's like and oh. Okay. Exaggerating. Pretty funny. Everybody chimes in on it and everybody pretty funny and then pick sides you know some people start picking on me some people start defending me so it's pretty that's cool well you're 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 a good target you're a good chirper too but you're also a good target so yeah. you, you take well, it to I, I do figure if i'm going to be in the kitchen throwing around the heat i'm going to be better to take the heat for sure and you do like the kitchen you have a 45 second oh, cook show every sunday oh, I better get on that too uh, one of our guests susan brooks uh, loyal listener uh she got me the casting people for the uh, cooking show we're, so we're gonna get on that i'm gonna get on the cookie the yes. cooking network and maybe you'll make it more that you know, three episodes if there's a, you know, a survivor type show. I'll have my own show. You should. Why not? Yeah. Let's, let's get a, a, you know, get a cooking show going for Tom Leba. Yeah. But today we have a great guest. We have someone who is basically doing what you're doing, but speaking of bi coastal for the Kings. Daryl, what a great guy. People, people are going to love this show. We're going to love hearing from him. Yeah. First time I spoke to him, I heard about him. We got mutual friends out there and everything. I heard many good things about him. And I uh, pleasantly surprised how well he did after yep. the game. Like, I didn't know how long he played. He talked about traveling over to Europe. And they'll, and they'll hear all that. This great episode. He's an f- infectious, positive yeah. guy, just like you. You'll, you'll, you'll come away from this one smiling. So yeah. people enjoy this. It's going to be Daryl Evans from the Los Angeles Kings. The Scottish Brogue, great show. It's actually getting better. All right. So, Tom, we got a great show today because we have someone who's essentially a counterpart to yours, doing a lot of the same things you're doing, working with his team, staying in great shape. However, he is definitely better in the drip department than you are. That means his style. He's got a lot of style. Drip? I've never heard uh, Well, you got to get with the young kids these days. He's got drip. Have, have you heard drip before? I have not heard that. No, only, well, I, it involved snow, and that was a big snow drip. There you go. Well, I have, I have teenage daughters, so they, you know, they keep me up to date on, on the, the lingo. So he's got the drip. He also scored one of the biggest goals in King's history in the Miracle in Manchester. Today we have Daryl Evans on the show. Daryl, how are you, bud? I'm doing great, Tom. How about yourself? Very good, dude. I watch you all the time. Your suits that you wear, your exercise. You and I live kind of the same life. We've kind of got through the 60s, right? We just say, screw it. We're going to do whatever we want to do. Uh, you know what? That, that's just, uh, you got to have that mindset. I mean, yeah. you know, time goes by too fast. So, uh, you know, we've got limited time. So make the best of it and enjoy it. Definitely. So where'd you grow up? Where's home? Uh, Toronto. Oh, okay. I've yeah. grabbed it. So, yeah, we're close by. Just down the road. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, growing up as a kid then, who did you play for? I played with the Young Nats um, pretty much my entire youth hockey career. Uh, and then uh, became, uh, when I got to Junior B, I went to the Seneca Nationals. And then uh, from there, that's where I was drafted to uh, to, to the Niagara Falls Flyers for the, uh, for the OHA at that time. Okay, good. And then, uh, so you were drafted by the Kings first? Is that where you were drafted? Yeah. Kings were my draft team in 1980. Uh, I was drafted by the Kings in the ninth round and uh, then played a few years uh, between there and their farm team in uh, New Haven, Connecticut, and then got traded to Washington, played a few games with the Capitals and spent some time with their team in Binghamton, New York. And then uh, signed with Toronto as a free agent, played between the Maple Leafs and the uh, Newmarket Saints, and then spent the last two years of my career uh, as a player, or I went as a player, went over to Italy as a player, uh, Northern Italy, Val Gardena, played as a player there. And then the year after, I went over to England as a player coach. Start, started the season off doing both, and then I uh, eventually went into coaching, and, and that was the end of the, the playing career. It ended in, uh, in England. 
So obviously you've done a lot more in your game, but that goal you scored for the Kings there, what was the miracle in uh, Manchester, that was called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miracle on Manchester. The old, the old street that the uh, the fabulous forum was on. There you go, California. Well, let's back, let's back up because that was the Kings versus the upstart Kings against <laughs> Gretzky and the Young Oilers. It's hard one one, but they're back at the form and they're getting just pumped by the Oilers. It's five nothing going into the third period, and then the miracle happens. Yeah, it was it was like a crazy series because during the season the Oilers finished forty six points ahead of the Kings that year in in the standings. I mean, we got in just because four teams out of the division had to make it, and the uh, the uh, the Rockies were were playing at that time, and they they were below us. So we got in. Everybody, it was only a three out of five series. Everybody expected a sweep. Uh, game one started off in that fashion. Uh, you know, the Oilers took a big lead, four one in the first period, and that was actually the year that they expanded the roster. They went from nineteen players to twenty players in the playoffs, and that's the only reason that I got a, a chance to play in the playoffs is because they expanded the roster. Uh, and then game one, uh, it uh, we turned out, we came back, we won this game by a score of 10 to 8, which is the highest uh, scoring game between two teams combined in a playoff game, 18 goals. And that was my first playoff game. I had two goals, two assists. I was a first-star hockey night in Canada. And I thought that, you know, I thought I was in heaven. So it was an incredible start. Two nights later, Gretzky beats us in overtime, even the series up, they beat us 3 to 2. And uh, then we came back to L.A. and that set the stage for the miracle where the Oilers built a 5 nothing lead going into the third period. And we tied it up with five seconds left. Steve Bozak tied it up. And then in overtime, uh, on my first shift of overtime, Doug Smith wins a faceoff. I close my eyes and hammer it. It finds its way over Grant Beer's shoulder. And uh, that gives us a 2-1 lead in the series that was short-lived. Two nights later, the Oilers beat us again 3-2 to two in our building. And just there was no preparation for game five really uh other than it being on the schedule and both teams flew on the same charter going back to edmonton for for game five really wow yeah, it was the quietest flight i've ever been on yeah that for, for anyone listening is that that doesn't normally oh, happen does it oh uh, back oh. in the day they used to do on a train they would do that kind yeah, of stuff yeah, on other yeah. and for what year was this e182 or uh that's it yeah that's so that's in 82 it's the uh yeah the spring of 82 right. so just to set that up you so you guys and the oilers are on the same plane wow. flying. They flying. Yeah, very wow. very very quiet and we went to Edmonton and, you know, we beat them uh, seven to four in game five to win the series. And it was ironic that they had set all kinds of records. That's year, best game, you know, 92 goals and 203,000 points, uh, you know, and everything. And we won the 10-8 game. We won the 6-5 the, uh, game. And we won the 7-4 game. And they won the 2-3-2 game. So oh. it was crazy how it went that way. But it was probably the best lesson that that team, the Oilers, learned because after that, uh, they developed into a you know a dynasty, and they went on to win all kinds of championships. And and it was one step backwards, two forwards for them. But yeah, I remember when I first got traded to the Kings. We played uh, Edmonton in the first round of the playoffs, and uh, <laughs> we go up to Edmonton, and uh, you know, like you said, they learned all those lessons. We go in there, beat them the first game, and I, I, you just got that feeling though at that team at that point. It's like, <laughs> oh God, what did we do? That was probably one of the worst things you could do. Tyler Curry could back and kill us, right? I think the next game was like seven to two or eight to two or something like that. Yeah, and they they were sleepwalking through the first game, but. Uh, but they were pretty talented. So now you're you're living in L.A. now, correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So you went through all that moving around and decided you want to come back to L.A. Was your family there or something? You just want to come back? Well, it was. Um, I ended up marrying a girl from from California, and at the at, at the end of my playing career, like when I went to Europe, my intentions were to go back and continue coaching. I had a uh, coaching uh, deal set up to go back to England and coach. And we we're at a barbecue one weekend and got talking to some people and asked me what I was going to do when I retired. And at that time, there was a lot of personal training going on. Fitness was a big kick in the mid eighties in LA. And, you know, I figured maybe, you know, I'd go to a gym and, you know, maybe, you know, be a, like a trainer or some personal trainer and that type of, that type of stuff it was something that I always, you know, I always had interest in. And, um, somebody asked me, they said, you know, I ever thought of selling cars? And I go, God, I don't even know where the key goes in most cars. And, uh, I went for an interview the next day and, I came home and retired from hockey and became a car salesman. And uh, I didn't know yeah. it was uh, it was a whole change of uh, lifestyle for me. Uh, I was working out in the, out in the valley and uh, I was selling Cadillacs. And it took me nine days to sell my first car. On my tenth day, I sold five. Oh, and I, I ended up only working the last quarter of the year because I started in September. So in the last quarter of the year, I ended up uh, fifth in. Uh, sales in the country and dealerships our size so for whatever reason i had a knack for it 
I became an assistant manager of the dealership where I was at, and then eventually moved to Beverly Hills and uh, and stayed there for a little bit. And uh, within a short period of time, I became the manager of the largest uh, largest volume uh, Cadillac dealership in California, and that was uh, Martin Cadillac in West LA, where I earned master manager status for seven years, and uh, it was it was a great transition. That's cool. I didn't know. Are you still selling cars? I don't. No. 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 No, no, but uh, it's funny. I, I'm not selling them, but I still think I, I connect a whole bunch of people to different places for cars. Uh, just having had that experience, but uh, so interesting. I'm interested. So, how? Why were you good at it? What? Do you know why? Um, I think it was just like the car business was a little bit slippery. You know, back in the day, like there weren't invoices, there wasn't the internet. You know, it was just kind of taking people's word. You know, you shake hands with them, you end up you know, losing three fingers. You weren't sure what you were getting. Sure, so sure. I think it was just the honesty and probably being naive, you know, as I was when I first started. And I think people appreciated that. And uh, it, like in my office, I had a couple of hockey pictures and it seemed like to be a barrier that just kind of, you know, took down that uh, you know, that, that, that uh, wall there. And uh, we got talking about that and it, it was great. It just uh, met, met some incredible people and where our dealership was, we dealt with a lot of like, you know, the Hollywood type people and, uh, made some great contacts and great connections, but more importantly, I learned to deal with people and how to treat people, and uh, it's paid dividends for for many years to follow. And don't you think you, your role as a player is probably? And I mean this in a good way. You're a ninth round pick. You didn't make it because of your skill. Tom jokes me all the time, but you didn't make it because of your skill. You had to make it because you were that good team player too, right? So I think I'm assuming that's part of what. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, and I think I was able to take some of that. You know what we developed in our in our game of hockey is that teamwork. Uh, to the dealership, you know, usually in, in a, you know, in a car place, at least back at that time, you know, 30 plus years ago, 40 years ago, um, it, everybody was an individual. They're on their own little island. But, you know, I tried to bring that in. Like you, know, if you had a customer coming in and let's say you were off the next day, I'd try to help you out with the delivery, uh, you know, or whatever. If you needed to get a car brought down, I'd try to do that. So I think I, you know, I, I helped them out in that regard and, uh, built a real, real good, uh, real good team in our, in our dealership. And, uh, you know, we retained that status for a number of years, but customer satisfaction became a big thing in the automobile is- industry. And I think that was something that I was really, uh, I-, I had a little bit of a gift with and able to push that and sell it to my salespeople. And eventually that pushed forward to our customers. And that was the most important thing that they got treated properly. That's very cool. I'm seriously, I'm really intrigued by how well you did that. Not just you sold cars, but you're, how good you were at too. That's fantastic. I like that. Like, I like seeing former players be successful with something else, right? Something that's separate from the game. Uh, that's cool. Very good. Yeah. You know, I think a lot a lot of people, you know, you don't know where where your talents and where your gifts are until you try something. And, you know, you, ha- you have to fail to succeed. I mean, you can't be afraid to fail. Uh, you know, go into it, go into it wholeheartedly. And, you know, some of the things that I learned in the automobile business, I actually applied to, you know, the role I have now, you know, being an analyst. Um, you know, there was a lot of, you know, uh, specifics, uh, you know, that, you had to learn in cars, uh, you know, engine size, dimensions, and all those type of things. So I learned to, you know, put things in, in a storage in, in my mind that I do the same thing like when I apply to a broadcast, you know, what things that, you know, I decipher is important and what need to be set and get into the broadcast. And the little gifts that I learned uh, doing that from some great salespeople, uh, I apply to my job now. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So again, just to be clear, you're doing the radio work for the LA Kings now, correct? Yeah. Well, this year, this year the Kings uh, were going into a simulcast. So uh, Nick Nixon, who's been the uh, radio uh, play-by-play announcer for 40 plus years, um, he's going to be the uh, the voice for the Kings. So he's going to he's gonna, again he's on the simulcast along with 
Jim Fox, who's been a longtime color analyst on a TV broadcast, and then myself, uh, I'm going to join that broadcast. So the three of us are going to uh, be on the broadcast. We haven't got it all figured out yet. Uh, we're in the midst of uh, piecing that all together. And I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be a great relationship. I've worked with Nick for uh, 24, 25 years as uh, his sidekick there on the radio. And uh, with Jim Fox, a former teammate of mine, you know, I've, I've watched him and, and worked alongside him when I've done some TV work as well. So uh, it should be great. And uh, hopefully we're able to, you know, bring the fans uh, the connection that they're looking for to our hockey team and be able to tell the stories that uh, we get to experience for our so do you know, I, I had that job before. So when I first retired, I was like, okay, yeah, that was a blast. Nick was a fantastic guy to work with too. No, he, he's, he's great. Yeah, yeah. He, he does a great job. Uh, I learned something from those guys every day. I was blessed when I first came in. Uh, Nick was my partner. And then Bob Miller, the great Bob Miller, who yeah. did 40 plus years uh, in the you know Hockey Hall of Fame and that. And then Jim Fox, who had established himself as an analyst already. Those were the three guys I got to work with. So, you know, I continually... Uh, learn from those guys and other guys in, in you know on the other team in our position so it's uh, it's a lot of fun well you sound like you just got that personality too. just what i know is this is the first time i've ever talked to daryl obviously we, we've known <laughs> each other from a distance but you've got that personality where you're a fun-loving guy you just see you'll say you know, the suits you wear you guys you got to look them up some of the suits you put on i mean i i feel like i'm brave and we'll try different things you know, i dance in front of eighteen thousand people at Square Garden. <laughs> some of the suits you put on i don't know if i could do that or not that's that's good yeah. you know it's a it's a lot of fun it, you know you you just you, got, you just have to kind of you have to, you got to get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And with regards to some of the suits in that, like when we have uh, with our foundation here, I uh, work closely with them and we'll, uh, we'll raffle off, you know, some of those suits, uh, the, cool. the holiday themed ones that, you know, raises money for the foundation, but people, you know, they, you know, it's, it's become a habit now. Like, what are you wearing next? Halloween? Yeah. What are you wearing here? And it's like, so it's kind of fun with it. It's, uh, and I, I look at the, you know, I think I'm a pretty, you know, like, lively energetic type of person so i think the you know the suits kind of yeah. you know speak of who i am you guys are very similar in that in that approach but can you help tom with his his wardrobe because he doesn't have any drip daryl he's he wears black t-shirt is it drip like d-r-i you got the drip yes <laughs> I mean, I, I, well that is true yeah i'm I, I went through a phase there where i got to be a little bit of a clothes snob i was buying like you know, hugo boss and all this kind of stuff now i got back to the costco t-shirts uh Nothing, nothing, stuff. nothing wrong with that. Wear what you're comfortable in. Yeah, right. There you yeah, go, bro. That's so the where, where do you get the suits? Did people send you to her? No, I have a young lady that, uh, it's, funny, it's funny, the uh, young lady who makes them for me now, I used to get them out of Montreal. Um, you know, there was a family there that uh, Giovanni that made uh, suits for a number of years. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, a young lady here um, to, I, I help our ice crew, uh, uh, the kids that clean the ice between periods and uh, between face-offs or whistles. Uh, I help them with their skating and that. So I always ask them what they're doing. And one girl said, I go, you know, at FITM, you know, the Fashion Institute down in Los Angeles. I said, oh, men's suits. She goes, no, 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 no. You know, women's clothing. I said, well, if you ever get into men's suits, let me know, I says, and I'll, I'll be your first customer. So a couple of years go by and uh, she reaches up to me. She goes, oh, Mr. Evans, she says, I'm selling men's suits. Oh. I said, okay, cool. You know, congratulations. She says, can I come show you some cloths? I said, yeah. So she brings me over to traditional, like, pinstripes, checks, and, you know, some nice patterns, beautiful claws. I said, yeah. I said, and I said they're really nice, but it was kind of, like, dumb and dumber, you know, like when it brought the words in that blue tuxedo. Like, I said, I need something a little alive. So she goes, okay. She said, give me a week. The light goes off. She comes back the next week, and she's got all kinds of these cloths. And, you know, we're, we're talking, and uh, I guess I just lit up when I saw them. So um, she became my suit maker. So now uh, she's got her own little company. It's called Gentleman's Jersey, and she uh, she makes my suits. So uh, she she designs uh, like the style, and uh, you know take my input of what I think. And she's got some great creativity in her. And I go I go to a point now where I actually go down to the. I asked her. I said, "Can I go to the cloth store with you?" She goes, "Yeah, sure. Come on in." So I go in like t-shirt, short. You know, young lady that's there. Uh, you know, she's oh, can we you know we help you out. You know, thinking that this young girl's either my daughter or, you know, you know, she's not even half my age. And uh, so, you know, we're looking around and she'll be looking at different things. I'm looking over the other side. And I, the first lady that we dealt with, I picked up this cloth, you know, and Brooks, the young lady's name was, hey, Brooke, I said, you got to take a look at it. And the young lady said, oh, I said, I don't think it'll go with her skin color, you know, because she's blonde. And this. I said, for her, I said, like, and it's for me. She goes, what are you going to make a tie? I said, like, hell, is that making us too? And that's what are some of the pictures of the ones that we've already made. She goes, wow, these are cool. So it, it's, it's a treat when I go to the, when I go to the club. Yeah. So I love going in there. 
Well, what I like about it is it's like that courage thing too. Like when people see it, they go, oh, that's incredible. That guy, we will start wearing the suits. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> I think you need one, Tom. I'm going to get one. I'm thinking about it. Yeah, definitely. So uh, do you ever, like, oh, I guess you'd get it made for you. I was going to say, do you ever get to the point where you look at one suit and go, oh, geez, maybe that's too much. It doesn't seem like it, right? You know, there's nowhere, never too much. Uh, you know, there's never really thing, anything that's too much out there. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. You know, and uh, I think probably one of the one of the greatest uh, compliments I got in when in wearing the suits early on came from Don Cherry. We were, yeah. in, we were in the uh, Stanley Cup finals against the New Jersey Devils. And he asked me where I got my suits from. And I'm going, oh, my God. Nice. Gary asking me where I got my suits. And he goes, those are cool. <laughs> uh, that's actually. I'm sure everybody knows Don Cherry, but whoever doesn't, he was famous. He, he played, but he'd be more famous coaching the Boston Bruins and being on Hockey Night in Canada. Yep. And he's famous for his custom-made suits. But he remarked things like the big collar, too. Right? Yeah, he had that big collar, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. And he's Mr. Controversy, too. So for him, oh, to yeah. you, yeah, that's pretty cool that he came and said that. That's why. That's a nice endorsement. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So then, okay, so you you were in the car salesship, just decided, okay, that's enough for that. I'm getting out of that. And, or did this job offer come to you? No, you know, it, it, it's funny how it all came about. I'm at the airport picking my brother up, and that's at LAX. And that's back at the time when you go there and almost tailgate and have a party. You know, uh, you can't yeah. stop there anymore now. Yeah. Yeah. And off the plane, just ahead of my brother, comes Sam McMaster, the new general manager of the Kings. Oh, yeah. So Sam gets the job as the general manager. Sam used to be my coach general manager uh, when I was nine, 10 years old. And he was my baseball coach as well. So we shake hands. How you doing? I, you know, he says, what are you doing here? So I'm picking up my brother. He goes, I, and my brother looks a lot like me. He said, I thought I saw him on the plane, but like he was way in the back there. And he said, uh, well, what do you do? I said, well, I manage a Cadillac dealership. He goes, well, give me your card. He says, you know, he said, I'm going to need a car. He says, uh, you know, I'll give you a call in the morning. I'm like, yeah, right, you know. Uh, I'll be damned. By 10 o'clock the next morning, Sam's on the phone. He goes, hey, Daryl, he said, the Kings told me to go ahead and get a car, this and that. So we ended up talking to uh, somebody in marketing, and we ended up putting a deal together where we traded three cars for the king, to the Kings. I want to say it was for Roby Vashon and maybe Larry Robinson, uh, uh, who was coaching at the time, and, and uh, th those type of things. And in turn, we got some season tickets. We got a uh, picture in the program, which was me standing by the cars in our in our lot, and then there was a thirty second radio commercial, and we had fulfilled everything so far. And about two three weeks go in, and uh, the Kings reach out to me and say, "Hey, Daryl, nobody from your dealership has reached back to us, and with regards to the you know to the commercial, the radio commercial." So I talked to our president, and say, "Hey, what the hell are we doing here? You know, we're wasting their time." He goes, ah, "I goes, you know, why, why don't you just go do it? I've never done anything like that." So I said, "Okay, so." Nick Nixon arranges for me, gives me a pair of tickets, and we're going to come to a game, and I'm going to cut the commercial at like 4 o'clock, a few hours before the game, and then stay and watch the game. Well, Mike Allison, another former yep. player. He was uh, doing it. Yeah, he was doing it. Yeah, that's right. He was the analyst at the time, and he wasn't in the rink yet, you know, when I was there. And I saw, you know, I said, Nick, you know, like, hey, you know, where's Mike? And he goes, oh, you know, something happened at home. I think somebody had passed in the family. He said he just got the news like just a little while ago. So he's making arrangements to fly out tomorrow. He's going to come do the game and then fly out tomorrow. I said, oh, you know, sorry to hear that. And then uh, I think I had like the scheduler or something was in front of me, like play the game notes or something. And I saw they had a game either that the next night or the night after. I said, well, who's doing that, you know this game with you? God, geez, I never thought of it. I said, well, I'll do it with you. And that's how I did my first game. Very cool. Yeah, so it was it was kind of kind of cool, uh, you know. You give me game notes. Uh, they were going to play against St. Louis. I studied up a little bit on them, and um, so I did that game. Mike came back, and you know he finished the season off. The next later in the year, the Kings came to me and offered me the position, but I just established myself in the car business. As you know, I was up in the management side of things, and my salaries increased. I just having my second child, and I just bought a house, and. Unfortunately, you know, the, the difference between the two salaries, I couldn't make ends meet the way, the way it was going to go. So as much as I wanted to get back into hockey, I couldn't. So I said, okay. And I said, okay, well, we'll keep, we'll keep your mind, you know, son, somewhere down the road. So they hired Camby Granado. Camby Granado comes on board and, and then Cammy, you know, she, uh, they said, Cammy, you got a couple of functions that she's got to go to, you know, could you maybe fill in for, you know, three, four and that that would work good, and you know, I, and I I talked to my uh, dealership, and you know, they said everything was fine, and uh, we went from there. And then Cammy ended up going back and joining the Olympic team. 
And when she joined the Olympic team, that means she needed a, a few more times off. So I ended up getting, I think it was 17 games that year. And uh, it was a great experience. I really enjoyed doing it. But before the end of the season came about, the kink came to me uh, because of the experience that I had with, uh, with, with sales high-end sales. They were getting ready to open up Staples Center in October. They asked me to come over and be the director of suites and premier seat sales down at Staples Center. Wow, everybody wants you. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I accepted that role. Um, we just started up our alumni association. I became the president of the alumni association. I was filling in part-time on the on the radio broadcast when, when Cammy couldn't uh, you know, be around. And, uh, you know, things are, things are good. Things are busy. And then we opened up our training facility. We broke ground on our training facility in El Segundo, uh, where we still practice today. And they asked me to be the general manager of that facility. So I, wow. I, I was busy there for a little bit. No kidding. And, uh, the next year they came to me and they offered me the, you know, the position full-time on the radio. And that goes back to 1999. Uh, so I've been doing uh, the radio full-time from 99. Uh, it's been a great, uh, great experience. Uh, you know, the people I've met, uh, you know, the things I've learned about the game and being able to stay involved with our team and, uh, you know, I'm involved in all our youth programs, our hockey camps, uh, I head off our hockey camp. Uh, Derek Armstrong helps us out with it now as well. Uh, since he retired, uh, been the commissioner of the high school hockey league. Uh, I've, uh, I was the president of our girls hockey program. And Jesus, uh, what don't what don't you do? Hold on, hold on a second, Tom. I'm like, I don't think you sleep too much either. I, I sleep just a few hours a night, so I try to take advantage of all the time that I have, the energy that I have, and that's cool places. Well, it's a huge compliment to you too that they people come to you all the time. You offer you to do. I mean, it says something about your personality, your intelligence, your work ethic. So that's fantastic. Again, like I said before, I love it when uh, former players listen. It's great to have that great career, but it's you, you kind of got to move on, right? Have other things yeah. in your life. So. I, that's certainly what you've done. So yeah, well, Daryl's on. Like, he has like 15 jobs. Let's just get us. That's cool. That's very cool. Um, so I, I got a funny. So when I uh, first retired, the the LA should be the San Jose Sharks first started. And they hired the Dennis Hall to do the color commentating. Uh, Dennis is a fantastic public speaker, but he just couldn't get it together to do the color work. So knowing that I'd done the stuff with the Kings, they brought me in to do like the last 90 percent of the games uh, with the Sharks and. Uh, so we were in Chicago doing a game, and uh, it was it was a TV timeout, and they had a close up of the you know the big organ there in Chicago Stadium. And the guy they had a close up, and they had Barry Manilow's picture and the, and the sheet music on the the organ. So I said to I can't remember the nice older gentleman I was doing the games with I can't remember his name. So I said to him during the TV break. So but the, obviously as you know the producers could hear it. And I said that guy's got Barry Manilow on his organ. <laughs> and uh, so the producers talk in my ear, and they go, "You won't say that when we come back on." And they were daring me. So oh, no. <laughs> now my father's at home in, in Brampton, Ontario. He's got the big satellite like this, so he's watching the game. And back in those days, you could get the feed yeah, during the oh, feed yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's watching it, and he told me after he, he going, "Oh no, he's going to do it. He's going to do it." <laughs> so we come back on, and uh, I had to do it. I said, "No, oh, look at that." And they big fed it right to you too. They had the cameraman zero in on the sheet music all bit. I go, "That guy's got very man." <laughs> and this older, I can't remember the guy's name. They're doing the by play great older gel a real gel he's just dying you know like he's <laughs> can't even talk and that's why he lasted a year on play yeah that's, that's, that's the end of that career yeah <laughs> but i think that's the reason i tell the story deal it seems like you've got that personality too right like you're willing to wear the bold suits and doing all these things are you bringing that personality on air on the radio yeah you know i think i've gotten more and more comfortable over the years and you know i i know the people like the listeners that watch her and listen to our broadcast they enjoy that part of me, uh, you know, and, and being as involved as I am in the, you know, in the community and all that, like my personality comes out in, in all the things that I do. I, you know, I host a run club for the Kings as well, where we meet once a week. Uh, and, you know, so they know my personality. So they love to see it when it comes out on, you know, on the air or, you know, you know, a couple of you know, things that I'll say, maybe even on the radio where you're not even seeing like the visual, but, you know, like, you know, take uh, you know, a guy might take a stick or a puck. You drop a couple of chicklets on the ice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, people like to hear those little, sure. you know, those little things. Uh, the anecdotes that we use, like you know, as players, as teammates, or in our game. And uh, so, I, I try to, I try to deliver as much of that as possible. Yeah, and you know, people don't know with the radio, it's kind of tougher, right? Because you've got a short window there where you've got to explain what happened and why it happened. Like with TV, it's the visuals there already. You're just explaining why. So, I'm not trying to downplay the importance of that job, but. The radio work is tough. I mean, for you to, again, like you and I both say, we like to talk too, but you can't talk too much, right? You've got to get to the yeah. point. Yeah. Get it. And that's why I've been very fortunate working with such a great 
play-by-play guy, Nick Nixon. Uh, you know, he gives me my space when to talk. And, and because we were, have worked so long together, and I think probably even going back before I even started working with him, uh, you know, I'd always have him on listening to him. You know, when I, when I was away from the game, when I was in the car business, I'd always have the games on. I'd always be listening to Nick. So it's almost, uh, you know, it, I kind of knew like when the queue was, when to go in and that. And, and uh, you know, we have a, we have a great, uh, you know, relationship and with regards to, uh, you know, on, on the, on the air as to when to step in and, you know, yes. when's important. And, you know, of course, just, just like anybody, I mean, every once in a while we step on each other's toes, you know, like, you know, because a play will come up out of nowhere and, you know, you, you gotta, you know, you gotta give it back to the play by play guy. He's got to carry it. So, uh, but no, it's, it, he's great to work. He is good. Bob Miller's not doing the games any longer, correct? No, Bob retired. He's, uh, he's been a hand, handful of years now. So, uh, but he still comes to, you know, a lot of the games, talked to him a couple of weeks ago. He's doing well. And, uh, you know, I mean, play, you know, people like that, uh, you know, with the, all the things that he experienced with the team, the players, the stories that he's got to tell, uh, you know, they're worth their weight in gold. And people love, like, when we have, uh, you know, different type of events, like, and Bob will speak and, you know, the questions will come out. And uh, it just, you know, I've heard, I've heard the stories, you know, you know, hundreds of times, but it never gets old listening to him and listen to him tell him. Yeah, he's got one of those voices, right? We had Sam Rosen on, Kenny Albert yep, yep. on shows, and they've got those voices, right? And then he's in that, uh, he's in that same category as far as his voice. And same with Nick Nixon. Yeah, he's, uh, again, he's done radio more, so people may not see him, listen to him as much, but um, he's good too. Yeah, that was a great crew. Is Bob Borgen still working? In, in no, he, he's not, he's not with our, with us anymore. Like, okay. Steve, uh, but uh, we see him from time to time. Yeah, Bob's, is, you know, he he actually contributes. Uh, I know he and Nick Nixon stay in close contact, and he contributes to our trivia questions when we do our uh, our call-in show on the radio, and he'll come up with some, you know, some good ones and all that. And you know, we talk about him. We you know we mention his name as to you know where the questions came from. And yeah, he was a great guy. So yeah. I was do I was doing probably the same way. I was doing all the practical jokes all the time, putting the baby powder in the hair dryer. Yeah, yeah. And so he found out all that stuff, and he wanted to do like a like a special little show on that. So he had me. They had it so that like it was my silhouette, like I was this criminal and I was admitting to my crimes, kind of thing. It, it's it's if you I don't say this. It's like acting on par with like I don't know, De Niro, Pacino. It's it's up there. It's 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 amazing acting. It was funny too, and the guys were good too. So it's funny watching the video because uh, Mario Goose Goslin was a goalie. Okay. Uh, and we had the phone on the wall, which you know nobody, everybody sees it now. And so I put the shaving cream on the phone, called oh, him over. I yeah. uh, got Luke Rowe. Luke was great too. I, he got a face full of powder. He got him with the baby powder. Uh, and then uh, Marty McSorley with the shaving cream and the uh, towels too. So the towel, yeah. Yeah, guy. A lot of pranks there. I, I look back at that stuff and I, I bet you were the same way. I couldn't wait to get to the rink and be a total smart ass in the rink. Were you like that too? Oh yeah. Like never grow up. I mean, yeah. that, that, that's the part of like in, that's where sometimes like when you, you look at like the wives, you know, when they, when they, you know, get first wind of like when they start hearing about things like, don't you guys ever grow up? Yeah, you know. <laughs> no, we don't grow up. Oh, but, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing though. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, Tom has been a big hockey fan, Tom Smith, my producer here. And so we've done over 50 shows now. So Tom has uh, got to, to uh, talk to a lot of the guys like yourself and he shakes his head sometimes. He says, you guys never grow up. And, I think that's the key for us now. Too. All right, they don't grow up. Well, especially the both of you guys. Look at you both. You're out doing things. You're working out. You're involved with the community. Dow's wearing these amazing suits. You know, Tom, you wear black shirts. But you guys are doing positive things. You know, and that's that's great. That's that's all. And look at Dow's Facebook page. It's like I mean, his uh, Instagram page. It's like yours. Yeah. It's all these great activities. All positive. That stuff breeds positivity. That's awesome. Well, I think Daryl, a real compliment too. We've talked before. We have a mutual friend, a young girl that's a uh, king skater. She's a big Survivor fan, and. uh what I love is like she she was talking like we're kind of like uh, I don't know for surrogate fathers or whatever we're taking care of. She she talks about us both the same way that yeah we just got this uh, we and look at light right it's like we're not going to be here forever so let's live all over we're doing it and I think that's you know the suits are the big thing for me I can go oh that is so cool man. <laughs> well it's also the, you know it's also the positivity yeah. it's all that stuff is good you know really good yeah, totally. it is and you know Tom like I know like she talks a lot about and with regards to you know the survivor and all that. And, you know, when you look at somebody like in that age group, you know, you know they're the future of our, of our world or the next generation. And, you know, when you can leave an impact and influence somebody like that, you know, you're a life changer. And that's what it makes it all worth it. Uh, you know, it's when you see things like that, smiles you put on their face and maybe how you change their lives on yeah. certain things they were doing or weren't doing. Uh, it's great. And uh, no, I, I'm, I'm glad we have a mutual friend like that. And, you know, and again, she... She commented many times that the similarities between yourself and myself. Other than the bald head? 
Yeah, no, I, believe me, I only got a couple of feathers up there. They're not too- <laughs> there you go. All right, get rid of them all. See them all off, God. Right. That was one of the best things I ever did, to be honest with you. My, my sons used to joke around and said I was getting a, a peninsula on the top of my head with the hair, and it be- soon became an island. And then I said, this, I'm getting, it's gone. Now, now we got the full globe, right? There you go, yeah. Shave it all off. There, Tom's getting that. I'm trying to get Tom to just shave it off. My wife won't let me, but I need to. I got the cul-de-sac going on. Cul-de-sac. <laughs> ah, that's nice one, I like. But, Darren, I want to ask you about that goal again, because I'm sure, how many times have you seen it? Do you still think about it? And, you know, does it still pop in your head from time to time? Like, how, because uh, we had Bernie Nichols on, and this great video for anyone who hasn't seen it, of him chasing you down the rake, hooking you to try to celebrate after you scored. Uh, you know, that's, that's something I'll, I'll never I'll never forget. Um, it's, uh, a great memory. Uh, you know, I didn't play nearly as long in the national hockey league as I'd like to have. I didn't win a Stanley cup as, as a player. Um, so a moment like that, uh, definitely, uh, you know, is, is going to last forever with me. Uh, you know, and I never get old, uh, never gets old talking about it. Uh, and it's, it was, it was a special end. I think I've learned to appreciate it a lot more in the years following then actually that particular night uh you know when you come up as a 21 year old and they just come out of junior hockey and you know you get into some crazy games playing junior hockey but uh to have something like that happen in the nhl against you know one of the greatest teams at that time the edmonton oilers with all the talent they had on the other side uh it you know it just uh mags- that magnifies it a little bit more and uh, like i say something i'll never forget uh appreciate each and every day yeah you know what uh- Tom brings up a good point too. What were you thinking when you were skating down, after you scored? You're skating down the ice. Everybody thinking. I wasn't thinking when I got uh, the puck. Yeah. Are you like, why is Bernie Nichols hooking me? Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. I tell the story all the time about uh, uh, we were playing with Wayne and he was trying to tie that break Gordy Howe's point record. And we're playing up at Edmonton, and you know we understand the you know the met the, how big the game was and the moment was and everything. And we're having a four on four, and it's Bernie Nichols is part of the story too. And uh, so I'm on the ice with uh, Bernie Nichols, uh, Wayne, and Steve Duchesne. And on the other side, it's like a Hall of Fame, Paul Coffey and Mark Messier and all the four guys. So, But they're not worried about me. They're, they're thinking, it's not going to score. So they're all over Wayne and Bernie and Steve. And I'm standing right in the middle of the slot. And, we, of course, Wayne finds him the puck. Now, I go into panic mode. Like, I, 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 What am I going to do here? You know, like I, I felt like just you. I was going to close my eyes and shoot the puck. Yeah. Uh, but off the side of that, Bernie Nichols would get tied up by Charlie Huddy. And I'd say, screw it. I, I don't care if he's tied up or not. I passed the Bernie. And this is the year he scored 70 goals. So he tips it and scores. And, and the crowd goes crazy. He looks like this fantastic play. You know, great t- play. Tommy. Bernie's coming. He's going, what were you thinking, you idiot? He's covered. I said, I, I would get rid of it. I don't care. So I just, you know, I could just picture Bernie, you know, that picture. He has, you know, skating down. He, he's got, he, hey, there's a guy with a fantastic sense of humor, too. He was great to play. Awesome. Uh, Bernie, yeah, he's, he was a character. He was uh, yeah, a real love-going type of guy. And, you know, he loved to score. You know, he had the, you know, the famous pumpernickel back. Yeah, yeah. I'm celebrating his goals. Yeah, definitely. How uh, how is Rogi Vashaw doing? Is he still around? Uh yeah, he's in uh, Montana. Oh, uh, yeah, he uh, moved from here. Uh, his son uh, Nick, he's out there as well, and uh, he's doing well. I haven't seen him for a little bit, but uh, he's on the golf golf course and enjoying himself. And uh, uh, so I hear good news on him. So uh, he's a nice man. I really liked him a lot. Like a really quiet guy. Uh, it's part of a lot of big stuff. I feel bad for him in some ways, right? Because when Bruce McNall came in, it's like poor Rogie was this. Yeah, and we we were terrible because if we yeah. wanted to get a new, we want to get a new contract done. We go to Rogie first. We work get what we want. We just go right to Bruce, and <laughs> it, it, it has, it's so wrong. Especially for me you know, going in the agent business after that, I just think, oh yeah, on that one. But it, it worked, unfortunately. Yes. Uh well, listen, I, I'm really glad you and I got to meet. I'm glad you came on the show. Like I said, I've heard so many great things about you uh, as a person, and you know, talking to you today, all the stuff that you've done, I, I really mean this. And you mentioned before you didn't get to play in the NHL as much as you wanted to, but when you look at your life, like you've done so many things after the game, I think it just says so much about you as your personality, your character. So that's fantastic by you, Whitworth. I appreciate it, Tom, and keep up the great work. And you know, as you mentioned there, like you know, I tell a lot of people, you know, they say you played in the NHL and and all that, and that was great, but. Uh, honestly and truly, I'm more proud of what I've accomplished post career than I have uh, that I did play and uh, you know being involved in charity work and thing like that. It uh, being out in the community, help the game grow here in California. Uh, it's it's something that I can't even express how proud I am of of, uh, of what we've been able to do as a team here and had to be part of it. Wow, I'll tell you, I'm so impressed by that. I, I love that mentality. I feel the same way. Again, I was proud I played in the NHL, but yeah, you always want to do more in the NHL, win cups, and all that kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love where I am now. Stuff we do, even though we got to hang out with Tom Smith there, do <laughs> yeah. Sorry, <laughs> is that the sacrifice? 
uh, Daryl, thank you again very much. Keep doing all the good stuff you're doing, and hopefully we'll have you on another show in the future. Thanks so much, Daryl. Stay healthy and well. God bless you. Yeah, go Thanks so much. Hey, you got a big smile on your face because that was a great episode. I know that that Daryl Evans is a man after your own heart. There, oh, very positive. My twin brothers. I, I, and we, I never talked to Daryl before. Uh, again, we got mutual friends, uh, but I've heard so many great things about him. He's he's got this wild suits he wears all the time. But what I don't like is he's sixty-two. Uh, he doesn't sit back and say, "Geez, I wish I played the Yankees more." Yeah, you do. We wish you'd play more, but man, he's living life. Just no. He worked every single job yeah. for the Kings. You, yeah, you can think of. It wasn't just the fact that he was a card. He was a very good card dealer too, like winning all awards and stuff. No, that's great. And just, again, like you, he's putting positivity out into the world. That just breeds more positivity. He's an awesome guy. The energy, you know, he's just, just you have a good feeling to talk to people like that. And that's awesome. Can't wait to have get right after Absolutely. that. Absolutely. He was good. Great, great, really like to say, great story. Yeah. From the hockey party, big, scored the big game-winning goal. The miracle of Manchester. That was legendary. But that's almost like secondary. Well, it is secondary to his life. He's got going well, on. that's the whole, that's the, the thrust of this show yeah. is that it's, it's yes, it's about the hockey people. We love the stories, the inside stories. But it's also like, what kind of life have you had since, you what have you what positive stuff have you put out there he's a great example of for sure we talked about this before too with this podcast what i really like is i, I didn't anticipate uh that part of it being that interesting that the, more the life after the sure. you know it's like you know he had guys like steph metola comes on and talks about scoring that you know game winning goals yep. that he did but he's had a fat the stuff he's doing now he's working to work in schools in the bronx like he's doing good things and it's helping but he's helping himself and he's helping yeah. people and that's great Go with, uh, that's a huge positive get your daryl evans man that was fantastic i know when he told me we had him on it'd be cool i've never met this guy the miracle on manchester big goal great show thomas fantastic show el show that's great all right grasshoppers thank you for listening with a fantastic show we'll see you next time Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.